0: This is the Hoove It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. I'm your host, Andy Hoover. Uh, I think if I am uh, understanding how the world of podcasting works, that this is episode number 45 of the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. If you're not tapped into the Rest of the podcast, and not familiar with what we do. Most of them are uh, messages uh, that were recorded live in a variety of settings uh, on a variety of topics. And so uh, be sure to check that out on iTunes or wherever you get your content from if you find it helpful. I appreciate you guys sharing that and uh, rating it and reviewing it uh, on iTunes or wherever it is that you share uh, or get your content. Well, in this episode, uh, we want to continue. Uh, In a in a new series that we've been doing entitled major in the minors Uh, And I'll tell you that let me just give you some background on this Um, I have been really drawn to some different books of the Bible Uh, perhaps books that uh, We're not often drawn to uh, a lot of Old Testament stuff Um, you know, I, I fully embrace uh, the, the passage in the Bible that talks about all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so true. Uh, but there are so many books of the Bible that I think we just kind of skim over um, for a variety of reasons. We don't understand them. Uh, they're difficult. They don't really make sense. We don't think that they're immediately, you know, applicable to our lives and our situation, whether we're in school or raising kids or trying to run the rat race or make it nine through nine to five or you know whatever the case is we feel like books um uh, certain books of the bible are just not applicable right uh, to our lives uh or you know we've made some sort of commitment to read god's word and we get to these books of the bible and we just kind of blow through them because they don't make any sense and uh they're difficult to understand so we just kind of gloss over them and they're weird or, or whatever term we want to assign to these books um But I have been really drawn to these types of books, specifically the Minor Prophets, uh, of which there are 12 uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, And again, as we mentioned in the first episode, if you're not caught up, uh, that was uh, put out, I think, last week on the book of Joel. Uh, And really what we're doing, this is not a comprehensive look at at each of these Minor Prophets, at their lives. It's just kind of uh, an overview of of who they're talking to and what they're talking about and how it could be applied to our lives. In general, Uh, but the minor prophets are are minor only, really, in their length uh, of the of the writing, as opposed to the major major prophets of you know Jeremiah and Isaiah and Lamentations et cetera um, that are much longer, you know, forty fifty chapters. Uh, But tonight uh, today in this episode, uh, I want to look at a guy by the name of Obadiah. Uh, Obadiah was a prophet uh, that was doing his thing somewhere around. 800 years or so before the birth of christ Uh, the record that we have of obadiah is of course found in the old testament Uh, it's actually called obadiah uh, if you didn't know that the entire book of obadiah is one chapter uh, in our kind of modern english uh, english versions divided into 21 verses the entire book so you could read this read the whole book so if you've never read a book of the bible i would i would start with this one for sure Uh, it's super quick Uh, And I want to focus in this episode on the first four verses. Uh, But before we do that, uh, and I wish that I could like hand you uh, kind of a map uh, of some of this stuff I'm going to talk about, but you can Google it uh, and and find basically what I found. Uh, But before we do that, I want to tie in for you where Obadiah falls in the big picture, right? I just kind of want you to understand what's happening because I think an area that we sometimes neglect uh, when we study God's word, is really understanding how one part of God's word um, fits into and really kind of coalesces into another part of God's word. I think sometimes we read it and we're like, well, you know, that part of the Bible has nothing to do with this part of the Bible, but it's one kind of meta-narrative, they call it, you know, one one larger story, one larger account of God's um, effort to redeem his creation, right? And so uh, I want to tie in for you uh, kind of where Obadiah falls. Just as a reminder, uh, as I mentioned in the first one, I'll mention it in, in all of these just in case, you know, you're popping in on the middle of this or whatever. Uh, Obadiah is a prophet. As we've talked about before, prophets fall into one of two categories, right? One is, category one is good job, everybody. You're doing great. The prophet, of course, is a mouthpiece um, of God. God gives the message. The prophet then relays that message to the people. And the message falls into, like I said, one of two categories. Category one is, hey, everybody, you're doing great. God says, great. Uh, And category two is, hey, guys, God says things aren't going so well. And he's going to wipe you off the (laughs) the face of the planet, basically. So uh, Obadiah, uh, if you study these 21 verses and a little bit about his life, falls pretty firmly into category two, right? He's given a message from God uh, to the people of Edom. Uh, E-D-O-M. Now, here's where I really want to tie together some pretty big parts of the Bible, uh, 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 you know, for you in in the next few minutes. Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's go all the way back, right, to uh, Genesis 25, where we're introduced for the very first time to Jacob and his older brother Esau. Uh, They were twins, right? If you study this in Genesis uh, chapter 25, they were twins born to parents Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, Let me read just a portion of this, uh, Genesis 25, that kind of maps this out for us. And I I have been reading more recently and studying more recently out of the New American Standard Bible. um, From a scholarly standpoint, I'm told, because I'm not a scholar, but from a scholarly standpoint, it's the closest to, in an English model, in an English version, the closest to the original Um, language of the Bible is what I'm told. So for several years now, I've been kind of studying out of that and and even teaching out of that. Uh, Nothing wrong with any of the other versions, just for my preference. That's what I've been doing. Um, So uh, anyway, this is uh, Genesis 25, beginning in verse 19 and really the first part of 20. It says, now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah right and so um then it jumps up to verse 21 of chapter 25 of genesis and again i'm just tying in for you some pretty big parts of scripture here it says isaac prayed to the lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren and the lord answered him and Rebekah his wife conceived right so they couldn't have kids and so they're praying uh and then it says this but the children struggled together within her right uh, and she said if it is so why then am i this way so she went to inquire of the lord the lord said to her two nations are in your womb so rebecca's uh, has conceived and she's having twins but they're battling against her which is really kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen here with her twin sons and so she goes to the lord and she asks you know god why why is this happening and and his response is two nations are in your womb right there's some news that I'm sure all the ladies listening would just faint over, right? Uh, But uh, there's two nations in your womb, and two peoples uh, will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older, this is interesting, the older shall serve the younger, very culturally uh, abnormal, I guess. Uh, When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, behold, I'm still in Genesis here. They were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, and Isaac, the dad, right, the father, was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. So allow me to summarize really quickly uh, the rest of what happens. You, You can read this for yourself in the latter part of Genesis. But Jacob and Esau grow up, these twin sons. Esau becomes a great hunter. Jacob becomes what the Bible describes as a peaceful man. I don't know if that uh, is a reference to uh, the lack of peace that hunters have, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But uh, Jacob and Esau, they grow up. Uh, Esau becomes a great hunter. Jacob becomes what the Bible describes as a peaceful man. And Jacob, uh, this is a huge, huge summary here, so just hang on. Jacob, through a crafty series of events, steals uh, he's the younger brother. He steals Esau's birthright. Uh, in, in other words, Jacob as the younger brother, uh, suddenly has all of the benefits of being the older brother, and Esau is left, the older brother, he is left with really um, next to nothing. Uh, so Jacob goes on to father uh, 12 sons uh, who ultimately become the nation of Israel, right, and are ultimately split into two kingdoms, uh, the northern kingdom uh, of 10 and the southern kingdom of two. Uh, And Esau ultimately becomes the despised nation. He ends up fathering a a different group of people and becomes the despised nation of Edom, E-D-O-M, as is referenced here in Obadiah, who lived uh, south of the people of Judah. And this is where I wish uh, I had a map to show you so you could really understand this. So these 12 tribes uh, of Israel, these 12 sons of Abraham, uh, become the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, through some family drama, uh, they split, right, Uh, two to the south and ten to the north. And just to the south of the southern kingdom, uh, or what's known as the people of Judah, uh, is the nation of Edom, uh, who are sourced in uh, Jacob's brother Esau. Uh, So it was this conflict between Jacob and Esau that we see uh, the people of Esau or the people of Edom Uh, So violently hating and attacking the people of Judah and the people of Israel who are the descendants of Jacob, Esau's brother. So much of the trouble, I I say all that to say that much of the trouble that was brewing between these uh, three nations or really these two nations, uh, Jacob's nations and Esau's nations, was a result of Edom, the descendants of Jacob, trying to win back and really, um, I think, revenge what was lost all of those years ago between Jacob and Esau. And I just think that's fascinating because we read the book of Obadiah and uh, we don't really see how that's attached to anything. But if you study it, if you go back the layers, uh, there's a huge connection. I mean, it's it's not just a, a small connection. It's a massive overlap uh, of what's happening. Uh, and so jump with me now into the book of Obadiah. So that's just some background so you kind of understand where Uh, Obadiah fits into this and how it kind of ties back to Genesis Uh, jump with me now into the actual book of Obadiah uh, And and let's read just a few verses of this Let me read just a few verses verses of this that give us an idea of the message that Obadiah Is trying to get across to the people of Edom and again the people of Edom are the descendants of Esau This is what it says in Obadiah chapter 1 Beginning in verse 1, it says, The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us go against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock and the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. That is the message in the first four verses of Obadiah from Obadiah to the people of Edom. In other words, you guys uh, are being jerks, right? Uh, basically, you think that you're perfect, you think you're so untouchable, you think that no harm can come to you, basically. Obadiah is kind of prophesying this from uh, from god uh, again a prophet is a mouthpiece of god to the people of edom the ultimately the descendants of of esau uh and then it jumps up to verse 10 of obadiah chapter 1 a few verses later six verses later it jumps up to verse 10 it says because of violence to your brother jacob so he's talking to the people of edom who are the descendants of esau and he's he's tracing it back for them obadiah is um he's tracing it back for them to help them see that ultimately their 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 violence is is being enacted upon jacob esau's brother uh he says because of your violence to your brother jacob you will be covered with shame and you'll be cut off forever on the day you stood aloof on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for jerusalem you, you too were as one of them do not gloat over your brother's day the day of his misfortune, and do not rejoice over the sons of Judah in the day of their destruction. Yes, do not boast in the day of their distress. In other words, um, God is blasting really the people of Edom uh, through his mouthpiece, Obadiah. He's blasting the people of Edom, Esau's descendants, who should have had the back, right? They should have been there to support the people of Israel and Judah. But instead, they stood by and did nothing and even participated in their downfall, right? Um, you know, they should have been there because really they were related to them. That was, that was their forefathers' brothers' descendants, right? They should have been there. They should have supported them. They didn't. They allowed them to be ransacked. They allowed their nations to be over, overrun by uh, foreign enemies. Uh, and they, too themselves, participated in in Israel and Judah's downfall. Uh, and so here's the connection that I see between Obadiah's message to the people of Edom and our lives today. And this is really the crux of this, right? I mean why why do we study God's word? We study God's word because it's applicable to our lives, but it's only applicable if we study it, right? If we really dig in and figure out what God is trying to say and then and then make some connections and draw some lines to to our lives today and here's the connection i see uh just just some thoughts um one is jacob stole esau's birthright right way back in genesis 25 like we talked about a few minutes ago and as a result the people of edom esau's descendants had lived with generations really of vengeful and hate-filled thinking toward the descendants of jacob you know, we hear that, and we hear what happened to Esau in Genesis 25, right? And and we think, you know, they have every right to be angry, right? They have every right to be to be hate-filled. Uh, but but here's the thing: uh, our actions are never justified when they're led by our feelings. They're only justified when they're led by the Spirit. You know, we step back and we and we see this. Jacob stealing Esau's birthright and we think that's not right but but really Esau and his descendants the people of Edom are responding they're responding to their feelings their feelings of being um, taken advantage of their feelings of being um, you know beaten to the punch if you will their, their feelings of having something taken from them that they feel is is rightfully theirs right and so I love that statement. A friend told me that statement. that said, our actions are never justified when led by our feelings. They're only justified when they're led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 12, maybe a familiar passage to some of you. Chapter, chapter 12, verse 19, says it like this. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, sometimes we experience... Um, unfair, unkind, not nice things in life, right? But it's never our role to get revenge. Uh, And and that's countercultural, right? I don't have to tell you that. You you fully realize that. That's not the world we live in. That's not the shows we watch. That's not the message we get from anyone around us in our world that's not coming from a Christ-centric kind of focal point. Um, that's not the message we get. We get the message of take revenge and they, they'll get what's coming to them you know, and I'm gonna be the deliverer of what's coming to them kind of deal. Uh, but it's never our role to, to get revenge. And when we respond from a place of anger and feeling, really what we're doing is making the whole situation worse, right? Uh, the second thing that I see here in, in this tie-in of Obadiah is remember that God has called you If you call yourself a Christ follower, God has called you to a standard of living. This is interesting. Listen to what God tells the people of Israel and Judah with regard to their treatment of other people. Deuteronomy chapter 23. And again, we're tying in parts of scripture here. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 7. It says, you shall not detest an Edomite. You know god was fully aware that the edomites were participating in the downfall of israel and judah he was fully aware that they were you know, complicit to it that they were allowing it to happen that they themselves were participating but god tells his chosen people the israelites he specifically says you shall not despise or detest an edomite for he is your brother and then he goes further and this is what i find fascinating because it ties all the way back to exodus Uh, when the israelite people found themselves in slavery to the egyptians this is what it says the rest of chapter 23 of deuteronomy verse 7 says you shall not detest an edomite for he is your brother you shall not detest an egyptian because you were an alien in his land i mean he tells them not only and this i this is what i find so fascinating he tells them to to not only treat the edomites with kindness but also the Egyptians, the people that kept them in slavery, treat those people with kindness. And so that's the the takeaway for me. You know, just those couple of things. And there's so much more there, right, that we could peel back and, and dig into and really study. But as I read through Obadiah, just those 21 verses, I was just struck by God's really clear definition of how we're to live our lives and, and and challenging us and it's really been challenging to me to think through how I deal with the you know the junky stuff of life how do I treat those who have wronged me am I living up to the standard that God has set for me and that's my prayer that's my prayer for my life that's the prayer I have for your life as you're listening here to this episode um, and that really you would become a student of the word you know, uh, God's Word is just packed so full of so much good stuff, so much, so much that is so applicable to our lives, and so I encourage you to dig into it. Even books that you don't understand, uh, continue to listen along in this major and the minor series as we peel back uh, some other stuff. In the, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about Haggai. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jonah and a couple of the other uh, minor prophets there, these books of the Bible that we perhaps blow through, but that's my prayer for you uh, today is that you would uh, really begin to respond, not from a place of feeling, um, but a place that is led by the Spirit, for sure. Well, listen, if you found this content helpful, I appreciate you listening. I, if you found it helpful, I encourage you to share it with others. Uh, be sure to rate and review on iTunes or wherever it is you grab your content. Uh, and feel free to jump over to com where there's some other podcast as well and some devotionals and blog posts and a a video series that we're just about to wrap up on the book of Ezra Uh, there's 10 chapters in the book of Ezra so we put together about uh, right now 11 soon to be 12 videos uh, video devotionals that are just four five six minutes long uh, with some process questions that you can kind of delve into there by yourself or with a group if that's helpful for you to kind of process that content but uh, be encouraged keep moving forward Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit ww.hoove.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It.